Boy, I enjoyed that ladies' ensemble. <laughs> a couple of those guys looked a little effeminate, but anyway. Uh, there was a lawyer, a doctor, and a preacher, and they all went deer hunting. Big old buck jumped up, and they all shot at the same time and dropped the buck. And uh, the lawyer said, well, I killed it because I'm the best shot. The doctor said, well, I'll do an autopsy and let you know tomorrow. So did an autopsy. The next day he came back and said, well, fellas, the preacher killed it. They said, how do you know? Because it went in one ear and out the other. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm, I'm hoping tonight that it didn't go in one ear and out the other. Uh, thank you for the motel. Thank you for the transportation. Thank you for the meals. Thank you for the Bud Light. <laughs> if you're busy tonight, I'm kidding. <laughs> I said that a couple years ago, and a lady said out loud, hey, this is my kind of church right here, boy. But, uh, Pastor, thank you for being faithful all these years, you and your dear wife, and what great leadership you have here. And uh, I just, it's an honor to have known your pastor and to, <clears throat> to be here and a part of this service today. And I want to thank you, thank you all for that. And then the dear lady from uh, Bangor, you know, is your sister-in-law from Bangor, Maine? Okay. Yeah. And uh, she trusted Christ and got saved. And isn't that wonderful? Man, alive. She's here on vacation, which proves Yankees can get saved. So, so my wife is from Michigan. She was born in Michigan. <clears throat> I went up behind enemy lines and rescued her. Uh, and uh, God bless her. She, you know, you Yankees, <clears throat> you, don't, you fry chicken. You don't boil chicken or broil chicken. You fry the thing. And uh, okra, you, you, uh, boiled okra? Are you crazy? Uh, that's like swallowing snot. Uh, uh, fry the thing. Fry the thing. But you stay in this church long enough, you'll learn how to cook and do other things too. But uh, anyway, thank you for allowing me to come. It's been an honor to be here. And, and what a great heritage and history that this church has. And uh, you keep winning souls, keep getting people saved, and watch and see if the future will not be uh, even brighter. I wanna, I'm going to pull rank on you tonight. I hope you forgive me. I'm 77. <clears throat> I've been saved 66 years, married 57 years, and the ministry 50 years. So if I, if I, I'm not trying to talk down to you at all, but... I, uh, I, have, I have a truth from the Word of God that we need tonight. Amen. And so I want you to keep in mind the, the years, decades of your pastor in service and his dear wife and his dad and the men that we have known, the men that you and I have known personally. And, of course, they've filled this pulpit and preached here. Great men. Great, I mean, great men of God. Um, be careful because they'll, they'll try to kill your heroes of the faith with the internet and things. <clears throat> they don't even know these men, but for some reason they feel like they can take a pot shot at them, and it's a mistake, terrible mistake. Um, so take your Bibles and turn to Ecclesiastes chapter 3 and verse 15, if you would. And then uh, Joe, Reuben, and Kevin. Where, where you, come on up here if you would. Well, don't hesitate. Move. Where, where's Reuben at? 
Oh, is he, is he here? Okay. He's dodging me. That's what he's doing. You guys have a seat up there if you would. Reuben. Jose. Manuel. <laughs> Ecclesiastes chapter 3 and verse 15, please. Ecclesiastes chapter 3 and verse 15. I'm going to read that verse, and then I'm going to go to a companion verse, Jeremiah. <laughs> you thought you were going to get out of this, didn't you? Jeremiah 12 and verse 7. Jeremiah 12, verse 7. You don't have to turn to that. But I do want you to turn to Ecclesiastes chapter 3 and verse 15. Let me say this. The book of Ecclesiastes, the book of Proverbs is a book of wisdom. And it's about from looking from youth on. Ecclesiastes, going to an old man looking back. And, uh, but I'm, I'm afraid we don't give enough credence to Ecclesiastes for the wisdom that's there. And a lot of depth in, in the book of Ecclesiastes and a lot of wisdom. And Ecclesiastes 3 and verse 15, if you've found that, let's stand and stretch just for a moment here. Ecclesiastes chapter 3 and verse 15. The scripture says this, That which hath been is now. Let that soak in. And that which is to be hath already been. And then is surmised in this latter part of the scripture. And God, in light of that, and God requireth that which is past. Now that's a, a powerful statement. Now, Jeremiah 12 and verse 7, I'll read it to you. I have forgotten mine house, I have left mine heritage, I have given the dearly beloved of my soul unto the hand of her enemies. What a, what a horrible thought. All of these years of heritage and history, and just giving it to the enemy, just should not happen. And the way to prevent it is to find out what God requires of us. And it requires of us the past. So here's the sermon title. God is doing an old thing, not a new thing. God is doing an old thing, not a new thing. A little Kmart blue light special in here. Uh, ministry moments. If on, I do a ministry moments every Friday, 3 o'clock live, Central Time from Texas. And it's not just, it's not for those in the ministry, it's for everybody. And I try, it's a real brief, not a sermon, about five minutes, ten minutes. And I touch on a subject of, uh, that, that I've learned from the past. And so it might be, uh, if you want to go there and subscribe to it, Bob Gray Sr., I think it would be a benefit to you. Um, but I want to preach to you tonight on the subject, and will not be long. But it is, God is doing an old thing, not a new thing. Father, help me now. I need your help. Thank you for this pastor. Thank you for what this church stands for, what the pastor stands for, and his dear wife. Now help me to help. Put one more brick of truth in the wall of life. And so Holy Spirit, you're welcome. Please walk up and down these aisles and go from pew to pew and person to person and talk to us tonight. Please, Holy Ghost, you're welcome. Have liberty. Amen. You may be seated. <clears throat> God is saying that he requires something. He does not say he prefers something. Is this work? Is this working? Did I, I didn't do it. Is this? Have I got it on? Where's the PA guy? Hey, 
Oh, hi. <laughs> is he big? Is you just do anything you want to do. Uh, I just want to make sure this, this is working. He does not say in the scripture here that he prefers something. He does not say in the scripture that he recommends something. Don't leave me. He does not say that he suggests something to his children. The scripture says, God requireth. Now let me pause and put a little statement in here. You don't <clears throat> need to know the Greek or the Hebrew to know the word of God. Uh, when the Bible says rightly dividing the word of God, the only word you have is an English word in your lap. So my mama didn't know Greek, she didn't know Hebrew, but she knew God. And we're, we're going to have to be very careful. If you want to understand the Bible, get you an English dictionary, an old collegiate English dictionary, and look up the word. You, you don't have to feel like you've got, and, and our young men are going off to college and coming back and quoting Greek and Hebrew. They don't, they don't, they don't know more no Greek and Hebrew than, uh, the, than I started to say, love Yankees. That, I, did, I, I didn't say that. Uh, but God re requires something. The English word required means demand back. God demands something back. This is not a suggestion. This is not a recommendation. This is not a preference. God said in the scripture, I require this. Now what is this thing that God requires, demands, and commands for his children to do? Quite simply, he requires the past. The entire struggle in fundamental Baptist churches is the battle between the past and the present. The entire Christian culture and morals battle in America can be summed up in the past versus the present. Abortion battle, gun control battle, capital punishment, incarceration question, defunding police, liberal district attorneys, uh, liberal judges, transgenderism. What in the world is wrong with us? Now, let me tell you something. If, you, if you're a male and you feel like a female and you walk in the bathroom with one of my granddaughters in there, you'll not be trans, you'll be genderless. <clears throat> States' rights, same-sex marriage. Have we not learned from the past? The sodomy battle can be summed up in one statement, the past versus the present. The shack of culture of our day. I hate this phrase, babies, that's my baby's mama. That's my baby's daddy. Uh, why don't you get married? Uh, have what God called a home. Uh, but it's the battle of the past versus the present. America in the past did not have queer rights campaigns. The America of the past did not have queer rights parades. That's a doctrine of the present and not the past. The whole Bible issue in America can be wrapped up into the past scripture versus the present scripture. Shall we use the Bibles, uh, the Bible of the past, or shall we use the Bibles, plural, of the present? The financial woes can be wrapped up into one little statement of the past versus the present. The crime in America can be wrapped up and summed up into the phrase, the past versus the present. In the past, we put criminals in jail and left them there. In the past, we spanked our children for misbehaving. Our politicians are living in the present and ignoring the past. God is saying here that He requires the past over the present. God is not doing a new thing. 
He's doing and promoting an old thing. God is requiring the Bible of the past. God is requiring the morals of the past. God is requiring the home of the past. God is requiring the manners of the past. I was in New York. <clears throat> the plane had, they had to take a bus to the plane. They couldn't put. They didn't go to the terminal. They had too many uh, planes and not enough terminals. So I got on the bus and it was packed out. And then the bus driver stopped and said, "We've got one more passenger. Needs to get on." So it was a lady. She got on. I stood up and said, "You can have my seat." Oh, she went ballistic on me, and and I was shocked by it. I, last thing in the world I was expecting. And she made a comment to me about being a male chauvinist and, and so on. And I'm, I'm, I'm shocked. And, and she said, haven't you ever heard of ERA? And I said, yes, Eve ruined Adam. That's what that, <laughs> that, that. <laughs> Now, everybody on the bus laughed, but she didn't laugh. And, uh, uh, but anyway, uh, <clears throat> God's requiring the modest clothing of the past. God's requiring the principles of the past. God's requiring the law and order of the past. God's requiring the churches of the past. God's requiring the standards of the past. God is requiring the integrity of the past. He's requiring the character of the past, the work ethic of the past, the music of the past, the honesty of the past, the soul winning of the past, the baptizing of great numbers of the past, the building of great churches of the past. It seems to me that someone should have enough sense to see the present just is not working. We need the recipe of the past. If you don't work, you shouldn't eat. And for the government to dole out money for you to do nothing is the reason we've got 7 million males in America that are not working. They could work, but are not working. We can't find employees anymore. Can't find, find uh, people to uh, McDonald's. I went over to McDonald's the other day and it had a sign up there that said, closed at 7 because of lack of staff. Uh, that's crazy. And they pay $20 an hour and can't get anybody to work at McDonald's. I, 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 I'm upset. Uh, our morals are deteriorating. Our culture is deteriorating. Our homes are deteriorating. Our marriages are deteriorating. Our schools are deteriorating. Our colleges are deteriorating. Our churches are deteriorating. It seems we ought to have enough sense to turn to the past for answers. We should be looking to the past, don't miss this statement, for our future. Our country is decaying because we're looking and living for the present. God said plainly that He requires the past. Let me give you some Bible and just jot the Bible names down. And you can study them at your own time. Not on my time, you can study on your time. But Rehoboam, Rehoboam is an example. He, the son of Solomon, was king of Israel. When the kingdom was divided, you remember, the northern and southern kingdoms, Rehoboam as king had to make a decision about taxes of the land. He wanted advice, so he called the men of the past, the older men, and asked what he should do. Then he called the younger men of the president and asked them what he should do. The battle, as always, is the past versus the present. Rehoboam decided to take the advice of the present instead of the past. Tragedy came. And eventually the mighty army of Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon came and leveled the city of Jerusalem. Why? Because Rehoboam chose the present over the past. What happened? The temple was destroyed. The walls were leveled. 
The Jews went into captivity for 70 years. All because Rehoboam chose the present over the past. Anybody listening to me tonight? God requires the past. Another Bible name, David. David. David came to bring a care package, remember, of cheese and crackers, to his brothers who were fighting the Philistines. And when he got there, there wasn't nobody fighting. When he got there, they were staring at each other. Saul was in the camp. He stood head and shoulders above everybody. Goliath, nine foot nine, standing on the hill, looking down, said, well, send me your best, and I'll fight him. Whoever wins will save the shedding of blood. And, uh, and nobody was fighting. And the brothers of David got mad at him, little bitty old David, and said, you just come to be, cause trouble. That's all you've done. And that's what they think of us Baptist preachers. You just come to cause trouble. And so David, uh, they said, hey, we're in the middle of a battle here. And David said, don't look like anybody's fighting anybody. And uh, so finally David said, I'll take him on. Now Saul, generous Saul, head and shoulders above everybody in the nation, turned to him and said, okay, David, and gave him his helmet. Gave him his sword and gave him his shield and gave him the breastplate. And, and Saul, head and shoulders. Well, Saul, put your own helmet on. Put your own, go fight the guy yourself. But David said, I've not proved these. I, I, can't, I, can't, I can't wear these. They're, they're, they weigh more than I do. So David said, I've not proved this armor. So I will use what God, don't miss this, blessed in the past. I'm going to use what he blessed in the past. So he got that slingshot and he got five stones, five smooth stones. You say, why five? Because Goliath had four brothers. And he said, I'll take care of Goliath. His brothers come after me. I'll take care of every one of them too. You can't build a great nation or a great church with more days off than on. Abortion will destroy a nation, not build a nation. Pornography will destroy a nation, not build a nation. Sodomy will destroy a nation, not build a nation. Gun control will destroy a nation, not build a nation. We did prove that morals and decency and integrity and King James Bible and prayer and soul winning, baptizing great numbers did work. And we built great churches in the past. So we've got to look to the past if we're to have a future. David was saying, I'm going to choose the past over the present. Let me give you another name, Ahab. Ahab. Ahab, the king, saw a beautiful vineyard he wanted. And the vineyard belonged to his name, Naboth. And Naboth told the king, no, you cannot have the vineyard. And Ahab told Naboth he would give him a bigger vineyard, a better vineyard, a more expensive vineyard in exchange. Naboth replied that it was, listen to this now, Naboth replied that it was not his to sell because he said, quote, my father gave it to me. My father gave me this King James Bible. My father gave me the local New Testament church. My father has given me all that I have. I didn't, you, you know, when you were born, you had nothing up here, and some of you still have nothing up there. Uh, but everything's through the ear gate or the eye gate. It, there's nothing new out of the sun. And thank God for those of the past that teach us so that we can have a future. So uh, Naboth said, no, you can't have it. Hey, young fundamentalist, my heavenly father gave me the King James Bible, not the ASV, not the RSV, not the NIV or the BBD. I shouldn't have said that. Uh, or Reader's Digest, so-called Bible. I'm saying to you, we've got to look to the past if we're to have a future. Jack Hiles proved it. 
Tom Malone proved it. Curtis Hudson proved it. Billy Sunday proved it. Sam Jones proved it. Spurgeon proved it. John R. Rice proved it. J. Frank Norris proved it. G. B. Vick proved it. Moody proved it. Lee Robertson proved it. B. R. Lakin proved it. Carl Hatch proved it. And forgive me for saying, but I proved it in my ministry. And you've proved it here. Now I'm saying to you, we've got to look to the past for our future. And now take your Bibles and turn to 2 Timothy chapter 2. 2 Timothy chapter 2, and verses 1 and 2. In 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 1 and 2. In verse 1, the scripture says this, Thou therefore my son. So here's Paul talking to his son in the ministry, Timothy. Thou therefore my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Now what's he saying? Paul is saying, I, everything I got, I got from Jesus. Everything I've got, I got from, from the Lord himself. So he received from the Lord that he turns and gives to Timothy, his son in the ministry. You got that? You understand that? All right, verse 2. And the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. Now here's what you have. You have Christ teaching Paul. Paul taught Timothy. Through Timothy there were many witnesses. And then they were to give it to faithful men. So you see where it comes from is Christ. It did not come from, the, from Timothy. It did not come from the faithful men that followed Timothy. No, it came from Christ. And so Paul received from Christ. Then he gave to Timothy, his son in the ministry. And then they gave it to many witnesses. And then they gave it to faithful men. You got it? So you see the digression. It doesn't start with faithful men. It starts with Christ. And so everything that you get, you get from Christ. All right? Now, so Paul is saying to his son in the ministry, Timothy, many witnesses delivered to me what they had, and I took it, and I'm giving it to you. So it's not youth giving to us, it's us giving to youth. All right? Acts 1.1. Acts 1.1 says this, The former treatise have I made, O Theophilus, of all that Jesus began, hold it, both to do and teach. Say that with me. To do and teach teach. Say it again. To do and teach. I can't hear you. Say it again. To do and teach. What did Jesus do? Jesus did not teach it. He did it. Then he taught it. That's how it goes from one generation to the next. You've got to do it before you can teach it. So Jesus did it. Then he taught it. Paul got it. He did it. Then he taught it. Timothy got it. He did it. Then he taught it. And then many witnesses got it. They did it, and they taught it, and then they found faithful men who were doing it so that they could then teach it. You don't teach it first, you do it first. And when you do it first, then you can teach it, because it is impact. All right? Now, if with that in mind, go to Philippians. Philippians, if you will with me, please. The book of Philippians, chapter 3 and verse 13. Philippians chapter 3 and verse 13. In Philippians chapter 3 and verse 13, the Bible says this, Brethren... I count not myself to apprehend it. Hold it. He's saying, I have not learned all <laughs> from Christ. I'm still learning. You've not, I don't care how old you are. I don't care how long you've been saved. You don't know it all. And you need to come for Sunday school. Boy, the Sunday school class this morning was powerful. It was powerful. That's a, that's a PhD course in that class. And I'm, I'm telling you, it's wonderful, marvelous. And if you miss Sunday school, you're, you're missing uh, out on it and you need to be there. But if you don't do it, you can't teach it. 
So you've got to take what's being taught and then do it. Then we do it and then teach it. Now here's what he said. Brethren, this is Paul now talking. I count not myself to have apprehended. He said, I don't know at all. Uh, I, I'm 77. And you're talking about, oh my goodness. I get a sermon thought every morning. Yeah, I spend two hours alone with Christ every morning. And I get in that book and all the things. Oh, it's just beautiful, wonderful thoughts that come from the Word of God. And I, I've, I've listened to Brother Hiles preach. And, I, and, and, uh, and then I go, wow, where did he get that from? And I remember Tuesday one time in Wyoming, we preached together. I preached first, he preached second. We got in the van. I said, Brother Hiles, you slammed that out of the ballpark. That, where did you get that? He said to me, out of the Bible, y'all try reading it. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, you couldn't get the upper hand on him. Brethren, I count not myself to apprehend it. Look, look at this. But this one thing I, what? Do. That, what's it say? I do. Now, he said, I've not, I'm not comprehended yet. I'm not, uh, John Rice was in his 80s, and he was still uh, salivating over truths that he got from the Word of God. Uh, now, I'm just saying the same thing with Dr. Lee Robertson. Every time I was with Dr. Robertson, he would talk to me about some truth that he got from the Word of God. And I thought, man, in his 90s, and he's still getting things from the Word of God. You're not, you're not going you to know it all. You're not going to get it all. Hey, quit acting like you know it all. Thank God for pastors and teachers that teach us the Bible and for the Holy Ghost that teaches us the Word of God. But we've got to do something with it. Now he said this, Brethren, I count not myself to apprehend. He said, I'm still learning. From whom? Christ. But this one thing I do, careful now, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth those things which are before. Now, what's he saying? All right, I need you guys to stand up. In here, uh, file, stand up here, back to back, start over here if you would, and make a file, one single file. Get in front of me, get in front of me. Well, I'm terrible at instruction today. The file, looking this way, looking this way. There you go. Now, what he is saying is, Paul is saying, I received from Christ, forgetting those things which are behind. I'm not looking to youth. I'm looking to Christ. And I'm looking to those who've done it and teaching it. Then when I receive it, I've got to do it. Then when I do it, that I can teach it. But what we're doing, we're living a day and time, we've got to find out what do the youth want? What kind of music do they want? What kind of lack of standards don't they want? I mean, I travel every week in the world. These women are taking this half off sale seriously. That's a joke. Thank you for responding so well. But... I, 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 I'm not apprehended. Paul is saying, I'm not apprehended. Not at all. But I'm, I'm constantly receiving from Christ. But I do it, then I teach it. Now what he has to do, he's got to do it, experience it himself, and then teach it to those following him. But Paul is saying, I'm forgetting those things which are behind. All right, now look at the verse. Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended. But this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth those things which are before. I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. That's my goal. My, all the truths come from Christ. So, but I've got to do it. Then when I do it, then I can teach it. But what's happening is we're not doing it. And these, the, the younger people are coming up with brilliant ideas, you know. Brilliant ideas. Somebody, one guy sent me an 865-word Bible for the busy man. 
And he said, you're a chancellor for college. Write something about it. I did. I wrote garbage on it and sent it back to him. They're, t- they're teaching how, how, how to avoid the Christmas slump by not having church. Teaching young men of God not to have church. And, I, and, I, and forgive me for saying it, but I'm leaving town, so what do I care if you're mad at me or not? But all these guys are coming out with their untucked shirts and their goatees and their beards and everything else and strumming on a guitar and sitting on a, on a, a, a little chair. They, they, you'd think it was a, a, a shindig that they were. That's old right there. Isn't it? And, but I, so what happens? The latest fad comes along, so what do we do? We've got, we've got to follow what the young people want because if we don't, we don't have a future. But God didn't say that. God said, I'm requiring of you the past. I'm requiring of you the past. And that's why it's important that you not let people tear down the great men of God that built great churches of the past where it influenced on us. And thank God they were. I went 39 years to pastor school to, to sit at the feet of Dr. Jack Hiles. I, I, I drive my, take my family to drive several states to hear Lester Roloff or Lee Robertson or Curtis Hudson uh, those great men of God. I, I love those great men of God. And sometimes young men come up and start saying bad things about them. And I say, wait a minute, how do you know? Have you ever shaken his hand? No, never shook his hand. But on the internet it says, yeah, I know. Yes, right. I wonder if it says anything about you. What would you do if somebody got in there and lied about you? Now, the truth of the matter is, you've got to understand what the Scripture Paul is saying here, <clears throat> forgetting those things which are behind. Now, we use that, we use that Scripture in a, in a, another vein of thought, but that doesn't fit the context of all the scriptures. I get received from Christ, I do it. Jesus did it, then he taught it. I received it, I've got to do it, and Paul did. He remembered the Mediterranean three times, started all those churches, Galatians, not, there's not one church in Galatia, churches in, churches plural in Galatia. Now, he did all of that work. What did he do? He did it, then what did he do? He taught it. My son, Timothy. So, what's Timothy supposed to do? He's supposed to do it and then teach the ones following him. And then he's supposed to do it and then teach those following him. So it is from Christ to us to great men of God who did it and then gave it to us. And thank God for that. Now, I'm not, I'm not demeaning uh, beards. I'm not, so, so, I, not at all. Some men look good at them and, and you, you don't. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. No, no, I'm not. I'm kidding. I mean, you look, you look great. You're great. Keep the face covered. Uh, and of course, when you got a little fuzz here, but uh, Amen. I, I <laughs> now I, I'm just saying to you, thank God for the young generation. But you're not going to tell me what the dress standard ought to be. Thank God for the younger generation. But we're not going to change the songs for you. Thank God for the younger generation, but we're not going to not have church because you think it's, it's it, 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 you're losing your family time. Right. Now, look, I believe with all my heart that we've got young people all over America who love God and love soul winning and love standards and are going to do what's right for the next generation. But we cannot look to them for what we need. We've got to look to God for what we need yeah. and get it from Christ. Amen. Stay in His Word every day. And then I would suggest, you know, there's some of these on the internet, you could listen to some of these old men of God and listen to them. I'm talking about Billy Kelly a little while ago, or Lester Roloff. Lester Roloff preached his last sermon at my pulpit before he went to heaven. And he preached on the subject, if I had my life to live over again. A tremendous message, and a tremendous man of God. 
And I, I, I just cherished those days with it. But I'm going to tell you right now, what, you talk about missions. We gave $9.3 million to missions in the three decades that I pastored in Texas. I emphasized it. Why? Because I learned it from Lee Robertson. Where did I learn it from? I learned it from these great men of God. Uh, now, I'm saying to you, it's important that we run to Christ. We go to Christ. Get in the Word of God as He presented. Get in the Word of God and let Him teach you. But get up and do something. Tell people how to be saved. Share the gospel with people. Uh, if when, you, when you do this, you do it, then you have a right to teach it. And the impact on him is not going to be the teaching, it's going to be the doing. That's what Christ did. We get both to do and to teach. Thank you. You can be seated. I hope you're not offended. By you. I, hope, I hope you're offended. I'm not offended. You guys can have a seat. Thank you. Thank you. Give my hand. Didn't they do a good job standing there? <laughs> now, I'm going to close out by giving you some names here. Um, J. Frank Norris. First Baptist Church of Fort Worth was the leading independent Baptist church of the day. It does not exist today. G.B. Vick, Temple Baptist Church, 5,000 in Sunday School, does not exist today. Akron Baptist Temple, Dallas Billington, great church. Is as liberal as liberal can be. They have rock concerts every Saturday night. Lynn G. Broughton, Tabernacle Baptist Church, Atlanta, Georgia doesn't exist today. You ready for names you know? Tom Malone. Pontiac, Michigan. Emmanuel Baptist Church does not exist today. Curtis Hudson's church, Forest Hills Baptist Church outside of Atlanta does not exist today. Lee Robertson Highland Park Baptist Church does not exist today. I won't tell you why. Because they started looking to youth for answers. And when you start looking to the youth for answers instead of giving them answers, then the church will die. It will die. You've got to have fresh blood in here. You've got to win people. You've got to pick them up, put them in your car, and bring them to the church. I was driving, I hadn't been to Longview, but about six weeks, maybe a couple of months, and I'm driving down Highway 80, and this guy hitchhiking, I pulled my car over, he got in the car and started driving down the road, and he, he, he said, blankety, blank, blank, and I said, well, what's the matter, where did I pick you up? He said, yeah, but they're a bunch of religious nuts. <laughs> oh, really? I said, what do you mean? He said, it's that Bob Gray, ever since that Bob Gray's been in town, if you die today, you know for sure you go to heaven. He's mocking it. And so I'm driving down Highway 80, and I said, hi, my name's Bob Gray. <laughs> he looked at me, he said, oh, I, I, did, I didn't mean it. <laughs> liar, liar, pants on fire. Uh, <clears throat> and so we're driving down the road. I said, let me ask you a question. He said, shoot. I thought about that for a second. But I said, if you die today, you know for sure you go to heaven. Boom, he hit the ceiling. He said, stop this car now. Let me out. I said, nope. I'm only doing 60, get out if you want. <laughs> I preached him to Big Sandy, Texas about salvation. He never did get saved, but he knows how. 
We've got to keep getting the gospel out. We've got to keep winning people. Otherwise, we're going to sit here, grow old, and die. And the church will die. And you don't want that. But don't turn to the youth for your future. Turn to the past, the past that this church has, the past that fundamentalism has, and look to that. Get their books. Read their books. Find out what they were like. Brother Hiles did not read sermons. He read biographies because he wanted to know the character of men so he could keep the thing going. Now, I'm saying to you tonight, you and I, listen, this, this is a great opportunity for you. you. You realize the population you have around you? You ought to come back there and slap every one of you. You've got great opportunity. This is a gold mine. I was a little town of 80,000 people. I, we had one bus route went 129 miles. One way. We had 40 bus routes that ran. We, we, we did everything we could to reach that Arklatex area. We had, uh, in, in Shreveport, we had bus routes in Louisiana. We had bus routes in Oklahoma. We had bus routes in Dallas. We were all over the, we were driven to get the gospel out and get people saved. But you've got, you cannot sit here and die. Nor can you look to the youth for your future. Amen. You've got to look to the past, that which gave you what you have. Uh, your mama's got more sense in her little finger than you got in your whole body. Thank God for godly mothers and godly fathers. Thank God for godly pastors that stick by the stuff and get the, get the job done for God. And thank God when they have tough times that the people of God stick with them. We've got to look to the past if we're to have a future. Tom Malone's church doesn't exist. It's sad. Curtis Hudson, his church doesn't exist. The one that's a shocker to me is Lee Robertson. Wow, what a great man. I like that double-breasted suit, that white wavy hair, and this it, all right, point one, point two, point three. To me, I think that's what Moses looked like. I think Moses wore a double-breasted suit, had white wavy hair, and he came to the Red Sea, okay, part it, let's go, get with it. Uh, now, thank God for those men. Now, you quit listening to the negatives about people, men, you don't even know them. Don't listen to it. You look to those men and their lives and their testimonies to encourage you. But ultimately, you've got to look to Christ. Every day you read what he has to say and then do it and then teach it. Some of you ought to be teaching Sunday school. You, you, you've, you've been through a lot. I mean, you and Noah are friends. Uh, but you've been through a lot. And for you to come here and sit and fill up 18 inches of pew, or 24, or 34, or 54, uh, growing in the Lord. But if, if, you're, if you're just going to come here and sit and soak what others are giving, that, that's not going to get the job done. Ask the pastor, give me a room. I'll, don't give me anybody. I'll fill that class. I'll fill that room. Now, you and I look to Christ. Christ did it, then he taught it. So now you've got to do it. And then you've got to teach it. But don't look to those coming behind you to tell you how to do it. A contemporary can only see as far as you see. You see as far as he can. And just because they have numbers doesn't mean that they're right. The Dallas Cowboys have a good attendance on Sunday. But it's not a church. So you look to the men of the past who built it on soul winning and character and discipline. He said, well, those men are too, too rough. Oh, listen, you don't know what rough is. If, if, you know why you like John Rice? Because he's dead. 
John Rice was rough. John Rice, God bless him. His eye, I mentioned this morning, his eyes were fixed. He had no peripheral vision. And his eyes were fixed. He looked at you, he'd let look at you like that and like that and scare the fire out of you. I remember one time in Pekin, Illinois, a pastor got, a, a, a visiting preacher got up at a sword conference and preached how the church started on the day of Pentecost and sat down. My wife and I were sitting here with our kids, sat down next to us. Dr. Rice got up, and when he got perturbed, he'd take his glasses off and chew the end of the, uh, the glass. He took his glasses off and started chewing. He looked down at that guy. He said, that's a mighty fine speech. He said, too bad it's not in the Bible. He said, I suggest you say as much about the church star day of Pentecost as, as God did, and that's nothing. Woo! I remember in southwestern Michigan where back in the early 70s when the Beatles invaded America. Didn't know what to do. The pastors got frozen. They didn't know what to do. You squish Beatles. That's what you do. But, okay, don't laugh. Uh, but the Beatles came. And then many skirts came in. And my wife and I and our kids were sitting on the second row and this gal gets up in a leather miniskirt and sang the special before Dr. Rice got up. Dr. Rice got up, took his glass, started chewing it. Wow. He said, now if that hussy's through singing, I believe I'll preach the Bible. Oh, yeah. You like him because he's dead. But he was alive and well back then. And the, the, the girl that sang was the daughter of the chairman of the deacon board. But Dr. Rice thought, he thought he ought to just tell you like it is, and you ought to love him for it. He didn't know why you got mad. I don't know why you got mad at me. I told you what it was. Lee Robertson one time at a sword conference got up and preached how, the, how tithing is a church issue, which it is. John Rice didn't believe that. He does now. But John Rice got upset. So he put headlines in the sword paper, Lee Robertson attempting to be the Pope of fundamentalism. Dr. Robertson read it and, and canceled John Rice and Jack Hiles. Brother Hiles told me, he said, Brother Gray, he said, John Rice called me and just as innocent as a little baby. He said, Brother Hiles, Lee canceled us. Why did Lee cancel us? And Brother Hiles said, I laughed. I said, well, Dr. Rice, you know why he canceled you. You called him the Pope of Fundamentalism or the issue of tithing. Was, John Rice's response, well, he was. He was wrong. You see, these great men were not try, they were not tickling the ears. Told it like it was. And when you get the preacher, if a preacher gets foamed at the mouth, starts preaching against your sins, and starts ringing your doorbell and ringing your mail, holler amen. I'll tell you what I would do, I'd shovel it back to the guy behind me. I wouldn't let him know he got me. Somewhere in here, there's a great truth about God requiring the past. Instead of us throwing stones at those of the past. Do you know when the Bible talks about honor your mom and your dad, honor your parents? That English word honor there means put weight down on the good. Well, my daddy hollered at my mama one time. I wouldn't give you two cents for a man that didn't holler at his wife every once in a while. Boy, this ain't going over very well. <laughs> <laughs> Somewhere in here, you've got to realize the humanity of your, your dad raised you. He fed you. He clothed you. He took care of you. He worked 12, 16 hours a day just to make sure they had food on the table. You ought to thank God and put your weight down on the good. Is there bad there? Absolutely. But don't put your weight down on that. And don't write a book about it. And don't gossip about 
your family. I'm just simply, or, or, or the great men of the past. God requires the past. Paul said, I, I, Jesus did it, and he taught it. I got it, I did it, and I taught it this way. But I did not turn to them and say, teach me what I should do. I'm going to look to the men of the past. Let's stand our heads about.